Welcome into the Monday Mirror edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That's Chris Yao. Get a good look at him, because <laughs> as again. you saw last week, he's sometimes he's here, sometimes he's not. You know, who knows? But, That's um, true. Yeah. Um, Chris, it's already been Monday here in the studio. No doubt. It's, it's been Monday, and I don't expect it to get any better from here. <laughs> we, we started at the bottom, and we're still here. And we're still here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did you, was Drake at the game? Uh, you, you know what? I, with, the, with Drake having been in the news last week with why he was in the news, I don't think he was showing his face. Oh, okay. I missed week. that. But okay. be, be very, very glad you missed that. Okay. <laughs> and don't Google it. Trust me. Just, just trust Just me. leave it alone. Leave huh? it alone. Okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> I can do that. We still got plenty to talk about with or without Drake. Oh, um, let's do it. Because that was a pretty big ball game last night. Exactly what we said was going to happen. In so many ways. In, in, in a lot of different ways. I mean, <laughs> say what you will about our predictions. Yeah. Uh, we know a little something, we, as Devontae Smith would say. We do, in fact, and, and cut out quite a bit of those <laughs> those clips on Sunday and posted on the Twitter. And it's it, it was it was a really fun game. I, this this Super Bowl, as we said on Friday, was one of the best Super Bowls that I can remember in in a long, long time. We knew it was going to be a good game. Chris Benini of the Athletic said, "You know, this just seems like the." the weakest buildup to a Super Bowl that we've had in a long time. The storylines just weren't really there. And yet, we knew the game was going to be worth waiting for despite not really having a great lead-up. Well, I think part of the reason for the lack of the great lead-up was the biggest storyline to me was Kansas City having a chance to win back-to-back. For the first time since 03-04? But... Kansas City was the underdog in the game, and this hasn't been a vintage Kansas City season right. relative to some of the others that they've had. So folks were kind of hesitant, I guess, to go all in on the back-to-back -back because, well, what if they don't? And again, San Francisco was favored by two. Right. Kansas City won by three. So, I mean... It was, yeah, it was. Those guys in Vegas kind of. And know the over under was too. apparently 47. Yeah, 22 to 25. So that was a push. Push. Talk about knowing a little something. Oh, man. They already knew. At, they already knew. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. They've been knowing. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, it's, it's, it's amazing how, how accurate those guys out in Vegas <laughs> are. And, you know, I, I'm a little surprised that San Francisco was the was the favorite, as we talked about on the show. Well, I was a little surprised going into the game, but my God, they played lights out on defense for so long. Yeah, yeah, they did until you know. Anyway, until their defense wasn't allowed to move as freely as they should possibly be allowed to. That's all I'm gonna say. It was almost like watching Alabama, Tennessee. I tell you, what, what was odd to me, I, 
I don't know how many turnovers there were, but it seemed like a lot for a Super Bowl. There were technically seven fumbles. Of course, they count the low snaps. But how many, how many times did they, how many turnovers? How many of those? Three. Three? The Chiefs recovered six of seven fumbles. There were How one, many of their own? And <laughs> five of their own. Yeah. Because they recovered one McCaffrey fumble, one muffed punt, and then uh, San Francisco got the Pacheco. Yeah. But that's, that, that was, was three. But that was the tough one right after the big ball that Mahomes mm-hmm. threw and got him down inside well, the 10, I guess. Talk about ball don't lie. That should have been a pick. It, I mean, if that safety doesn't just doesn't – turn around to look for the football and just, you know. Stays where he's at. Yeah, and just keeps running and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and turns his head instead of turning his whole body. That's yeah, probably. Because when he turned his whole body, he took himself yeah. out of the play. It, it, he slowed himself down too much. But, it, yeah, it was a great ball by Mahomes, no doubt. But it probably should have been a pick. And the very next play, <laughs> ball don't lie. <laughs> One of the better balls Mahomes threw. I was sitting there watching the game and. For the longest, it's like he's trying to do too much. You, yeah, you you mentioned that, and I don't know if it was on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I think it was, but you, you, you're right. I thought early in the game he was he was maybe trying to to do a little bit more than he necessarily needed to. Uh, it was funny because they kind of switched roles. Purdy was playing wonderful mm-hmm. first half. Mm-hmm. Then Kansas City defense starts getting a little you know, accustomed, mm-hmm. starts making some adjustments, and next thing you know, the script's flipped, which is exactly what you expect. So I don't know, man. It's a, It was a great game. We've got a lot to talk about on the field, off the field, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. And a little bit outside of Super Bowl 58 even. So we get, like you said, plenty to talk about. Um, before we get into any of it, any more. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, any more of it than we already have. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we need to just kind of stop ourselves for a minute. Um, Take a step back. Give you yesterday's results, this weekend's results, excuse me, and today's schedule on the rundown. This is the rundown. The Monday Rundown is brought to you by Zion Christian Academy. ZCA offers a faith-based, Christ-centered education in Murray County. Give them a call today at 931-388-5831 or visit zioneagles.org to schedule your appointment today. Zion Christian Academy, prepared for college, equipped for purpose. Girls basketball action, John Overton downs Antioch 50-46. Mount Juliet falls to beach 66-27. As Brentwood getting the best of Ravenwood in the Battle of the Woods 56-28. Lipscomb Academy 54-45 winners over Brentwood Academy. Cane Ridge, big one over Hunters Lane 70-21. It was Cheatham County 60, Hickman County 36. Rossview 50-34 winners over Clarksville Northwest. Columbia Central edging Shelbyville 38-36. Full coverage on MainStreetMurray.com. Cookville 72, Stewart's Creek 35, Pope Prep falling to CPA 57-39, Cullioka edging Santa Fe 43-40. It was Dixon County 67, Clarksville Northeast 30, Eagleville 74-38, winners over Fayetteville, East Nashville 73, Stratford 47, Franklin doubles up Centennial 50-25, it was Martin Luther King 62, Glencliff 18, 
Good Pasture, 46, 37 winners over Donaldson. Christian Providence, Christian, 45. Grace Franklin, 32 in district tournament play. Portland, 54. Greenbrier, 53. Oakland, 59, 25 winners over Green Hill. Richland, Downs Hampshire, 57, 16. It was East Sigmund, 47. Harpeth, 35. Harpeth Hall, a 40 to 37 winner over Father Ryan. Hendersonville, 57, 45 against Gallatin. Clarksville Downs, Henry County, 60 to 45. It was Hillsborough, 61. McGavick, 37. Houston County, big win over Camden Central, 46, 27. Independence Downs, the Summit, 59, 37. And Jackson County, 45. Watertown, 35. Also in girls' action, Kirkwood edge Kenwood, 52, 51. Lebanon with an 81-52 win over Wilson Central. Liberty Creek defeated Trousdale County, 50 to 43. It was Maplewood, 36. Valor Collegiate, 33. Franklin Road Academy with a 54-50 win over Middle Tennessee Christian. Also, Ezel Harding defeated Nashville Christian 39-27. Page with a 49-38 win over Nolansville. Blackman defeated Siegel 59-33. It was Laverne 44, Smyrna 41. Ensworth with a 73-33 win over St. Cecilia. Sycamore defeated Joe Burns 66-31. Springfield defeated West Creek 65-31. White House with a 44-37 win over Macon County and Westmoreland defeated White House Heritage 40-31. On Saturday, it was Donaldson Christian defeating Nashville Christian 37-35, Good Pasture 62, Ezel Harding 26, FC Boyd defeated Franklin Road Christian 37-30, Middle Tennessee Christian with a 59-54 um, win over Franklin Grace, Middle Tennessee Christian, I just said that. Hope Prep defeated St. <laughs> Cecilia, 55-38. Providence Christian with a 52-44 win over Franklin Road Academy. Watertown defeated Red Bull and Springs, 45-26. And Riverside Christian, 41. Zion Christian, 29. All right, boys basketball action here. Antioch downs John Overton, 81-68. Beach was a 64-49 win over Mount Juliet. Columbia Academy. Man, what a weekend they had. 61-59 winners over BGA in the district tournament semifinals, I believe. Right? Mm -hmm. Ravenwood in the Battle of the Woods gets the best of Brentwood, 52-50. It was Brentwood Academy, 63. Lipscomb Academy, 45. Cane Ridge, 61-49 winners over Hunters Lane. <clears throat> and Hickman County, down Cheatham County, 65-27. It was Friendship Christian, 72-57 over Clarksville Academy. Rossview Downs Northwest, 64-48. Columbia Central, 69-52, again, coverage on MainStreetMurray.com. Cookville, 72-45 winners over Stewart's Creek. Pope Prep, 80-64 against CPA. Fairview Falls to Creekwood, 51-46. Santa Fe in overtime, taking down the Warrior Devils of Cullioca, 75-66. It was Eagleville, 56. Fayetteville, 42. Hold on a minute. Oops, sorry. In that Santa Fe overtime victory, mm -hmm. guess who's back? Back again. 46. For, for the Mr. Football finalist, Les Slaughter. Mr. Basketball. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. It should have been. Mm. Anyway. Uh, Centennial 61, Franklin 59. There you go. Martin Luther King 66-53 winners over Glencliff. Good Pasture 71-49 against Ezo Harding. Portland 49, Greenbrier 42. Green Hill 66-55 winners over Oakland. Hampshire falls to Richland 73-22. East Hickman 52, Harpeth 35. Gallatin 56-43 winners over Hendersonville. Henry County 66, Clarksville 54. Hillsboro was a 68-31 winner over McGavick and Camden Central 69, Houston County 63. 
Also, Independence Boys defeated Summit 70-37. Jackson County with a 67-36 win over Watertown. It was Hume Fogg 61, Lawson 49. Lebanon with a 48-43 win over Wilson Central. Liberty Creek defeated Trousdale County 55-49. Montgomery Bell Academy with a 67-47 win over Father Ryan. Montgomery Central 48, Fort Campbell, Kentucky 45. Nolan's Will Edge Page 53-52. Blackman with a 61-45 win over Siegel. Laverne defeated Smyrna 64-35. It was Station Camp 67, Pearl Cone 41. East Nashville with a 72-30 win over Stratford. Joe Burns defeated Sycamore 63-55. It was Providence Christian 68, Webb School 34. West Creek with a 72-44 win over Springfield. White House defeated Macon County 74-67. And Westmoreland edged White House Heritage 32-30 on Saturday. Webb School defeated Battleground Academy 52-47. Ezell Harding defeated Clarksville Academy 64-61. Columbia Academy in overtime gets a steal on a layup from Harrison Brownlee for the game winner in a 62-60 win over Providence Christian. Good Pasture defeated Friendship Christian 64-46. Loretto 57, Perry County 48. Watertown with a 48-47 win over Red Bull and Springs. And Zion Christian behind 36 points from Aiden Glenn. Downs Franklin Road Christian 61-54. In men's basketball action on Saturday, South Carolina comes to Memorial. Is that right? Is that, is that yes. Yeah. And gets out with a 75-60 win. Middle Tennessee State men 68. Florida International 66. Belmont defeats Valparaiso 96-78. Big win for the Bruins there. Tennessee State 77. Southeast Missouri State 74. This was tough to watch. Texas A&M, 85, Tennessee, 69. Talladega, right? Talladega. Talladega, 61, Fisk, 55. Thomas Moore with a 75-68 win over Trevecca. And UT Southern defeated Faulkner, 84-63. Women's basketball on Friday, Belmont Falls to Missouri State. And Heather Williams applauds. 73-54 the final there on Saturday. It was Middle Tennessee State women 73, Florida International 54. SEMO down Tennessee State 48-47 in a thriller there. Lipscomb 94-82 winners over North Florida. Austin P downs Jacksonville 75-69. Not a great trip for the folks from Florida up here. <laughs> Fisk downs Talladega 81-44 in Faulkner women. They 64-56 winner over UT Southern. On Sunday, Vanderbilt down Georgia 61-55, and Belmont defeated Southern Illinois 65-55. In the association, Grizzlies fall to the Hornets 115-106, and on the ice in overtime, the Preds in come from behind fashion did not even, did not lead in the game until they won it. 5-4 to four the final <laughs> in favor of the Predators. Man. You'll take it. You will take it. You will absolutely take it. High school basketball tonight. These are doubleheaders. Six o'clock starts with the girls, boys to follow. Are these, are any of these tournament games? No. Okay. No, these are know. all regular season games. White House Heritage is at Greenbrier. Independence is at Nolansville. Franklin is at Page. Centennial is at Ravenwood. All wrapping up District 10 for a regular season play. Also, Macon County is at Portland. Um, Liberty Creek is at Trousdale County, and Station Camp is at White House. Girls games, these are postseason games. Warren County is at Columbia Central, that's a six o'clock start. Pope Prep is at Christ Presbyterian at six. 
Giles County is at Lawrence County at six. Also, it's all of these are at six. Brentwood Academy is at Lipscomb Academy. Houston County is at McEwen, and Shelbyville hosts Spring Hill. Those were all girls-only games. All six o'clock starts. On the boys' side, at seven o'clock, Christ Presbyterian goes to Father Ryan, and Lipscomb Academy hosts Innsworth. Women's basketball tonight on the SEC Network, six o'clock tip. Arkansas is at Tennessee, and at 7 o'clock on Valley Sports, uh, New Orleans is at FedEx Forum against Memphis, also on the ice. No, 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 never mind. That's from over the weekend. Disregard that. That is your rundown. Top story brought to you as always by Piggly Wiggly over in Neely's Mill here in Columbia. Be sure and get over there for your delicious daily deli lunch specials. You can also get hand cut meats and everything is cost plus 10% at the register. So again, be sure and check out Piggly Wiggly in Neely's Mill here in Columbia. Top story, before last night, only one person had caught a touchdown pass and thrown for a touchdown in the same Super Bowl. And it was a quarterback, so it kind of makes sense. Nick Foles in Philadelphia's win with Doug Peterson, current, current Jacksonville coach, hmm. Doug Peterson. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Nick's got company. Nick does have company. Nick's got company, and he's not a quarterback now. But he was. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jawan Jennings, and he got the pass out of the way first. Yeah. Went ahead and just, you know, checked that box early. Checked that box. So, so I work on the other one. Yeah, the other one's a little easier to accomplish when you're a When you're a receiver. receiver. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, Jawan Jennings got San Francisco on the board last, well, not on the board, I'm sorry, extended their lead to 10 to nothing with his touchdown pass to Christian McCaffrey in the second quarter? Right. Yes, because the first quarter, I think, was 0 0. Yeah. <laughs> and then caught a touchdown pass to give the 49ers a 16 13 lead. Mm -hmm. And the point after was missed, blocked. And man, and that's 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 huge. Probably the the most impactful play of the game. Offense, defense, and special, special teams, teams. By the way, and both of the special teams miscues go against San Francisco. And here you are. Yeah, but you cannot say enough about how great Juwan Jennings was. You know, you look at the stat line and you go. I mean, four catches, like 46 yards. I tell you what. Who if, cares? If San Francisco had won that game in regulation, he was going to have a shot at MVP. I don't know who else it could have been. I mean, again, he threw for a touchdown. He caught a touchdown. And they only scored two touchdowns. <laughs> so, I don't know. I don't know who else it could have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make, yeah. Other than the, a defensive player, maybe, but I mean, they, it wasn't like they had anybody that was just special. Juwan Jennings was going to win Most Valuable Player. He was going to go to Disney World. He was going to get <laughs> however much money they pay the person who says he's going to Disney World. Do they still do that? Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, it's 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 such a a minuscule amount of money, you know. Unless you're Brock Purdy, then that's a. Is that you? One, yeah, that is me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I heard a honk, and I was like, "Whoa, what yeah, did that, I say?" Yeah. That, um, <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I was looking for something. But bro, unless it's Brock Purdy, it's it's a minuscule amount of money. <laughs> Brock Purdy's only getting paid eight hundred sixty-five thousand yeah. dollars. Yeah, Brock Purdy would have took it, no doubt. So. so both both players who threw touchdown passes last night for the San Francisco 49ers were drafted in the seventh round of the draft. <laughs> that's uh, that's that, that's crazy stat. That's pretty crazy. And um, I'm not sure that that's ever happened before that two players drafted in the seventh round have thrown touchdown passes in the same Super Bowl. Well, um, I think I saw that Brock Purdy is the lowest drafted quarterback to start a Super Bowl. So well, that would now there have been undrafted quarterbacks that right. have started, but of the quarterbacks who have been drafted and started, It'd be real hard to get drafted lower than last. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty well got that one sewed up. Huh? But I'm sure I, I would be I would be willing to bet that he and Juwan Jennings are the two lowest drafted quarterbacks to have been so <laughs> to throw a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl. There you go. That that would that is so crazy though to me that that Juwan Jennings, who had such a just you know, everyone was iffy about him coming out of college. He had For whatever reason. He had the 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 being thrown off the team stigma for that was Brady Hope. That doesn't count. That was a mess. Uh, you know, comes back, becomes one of Tennessee's most valuable players in so many different ways, and ends up going to San Francisco, who, by the way, was the person leading that part of the draft sits on the back of your your laptop here, Mr. Rand Carthen. Rand has a plan. And, you know, I, I just feel like it's it's such a great story to see that kid from where he, you know, from where he went to what he uh, would have been Super Bowl MVP again. <laughs> and you've already said it once this show. Start at the bottom. And, you know, Four catches for 42 yards and a touchdown, one pass completion for 21 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, he touched the ball five times and two of them went for touchdowns in a game where his team only scored two touchdowns. What they won't tell you, though, is San Francisco doesn't score on that opening drive of overtime if not for Juwan Jennings because he drew the holding call. Mm -hmm. And had he not been held, he scores. <laughs> yeah. Had Chris Jones not been left alone to almost kill Brock Purdy, he scores on third down there. Mm -hmm. And they went to Juwan Jennings on third and four with two minutes to go in the game. And another, again, if Brock Purdy isn't, you know, immediately hit after taking the snap. Blown up. Who knows? So again, it, you know, it's just it, it's the intangibles that he brings, uh, the way that he, that his mindset as a blocker, it just, that's what's so frustrating is it's like he fit the Titans mold you would so see. well. Yeah, and yet. And they didn't draft. It's just so weird. It's, it's but hard. good for him. Congratulations to 
to the, uh, the, the Chiefs, but Juwan Jennings certainly played the best. He was the best player on the field in the first four quarters. Yeah, yeah. So when we come back to the Lee Company Studios here in Columbia on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint, we will be joined by John Bryce of Football Scoop. Shifting gears. Yeah, shifting gears for just a bit. We're going to talk more Super Bowl and more NFL later, but um, there's some college football news, and we want to get John's insight on it, so we will do that when we come back. Stay with us. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Live under the lights. A city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net.
Welcome back to the Monday Mirror edition of Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. In the next segment, we will be bringing you our Monstars, the top performers from the past weekend in whatever sport we decide to take a look at. But in the meantime, we want to bring to the, to the, to the stage, come into the stage, John Bryce of footballscoop.com. And John, when I reached out to you on Friday to set this up, it was in anticipation of discussing the UCLA coaching vacancy. <laughs> That's yeah. been preempted. Were you surprised that they moved as quickly as they did and got Deshaun Foster in place there? I mean, obviously he was on the staff and everything, but that's pretty quick. Yeah, I thought it would be done by midweek at the latest, um, guys. Just timing is of the essence. I mean, there are programs around college football that will start spring camp later this month. Uh, obviously, the, the second more traditional signing day uh, just occurred. So there, there's a number of reasons to move swiftly. And, and let's also, uh, despite the fact that Chip Kelly only technically left on Friday, let's be real here. That was a, a strange marriage uh, that was basically an arranged marriage because Martin Jarmelon had inherited Chip Kelly and did not hire him. And so Chip had been talking to NFL teams. It was just pervasive out there that Chip was looking for something else. Um, and so because of that, I think Martin Jarmelon was a bit more prepared and had already been doing a great deal of work behind the scenes. You know, I want to get to the Chip Kelly aspect of this in just a second, but speak to Deshaun Foster. He had been associate head coach for this past season. It's his alma mater. Obviously, he's got a lot of familiarity with the program, both as a player and a coach. I mean, are you surprised that this is the direction they went in, or would you have expected them to go maybe for a bigger name or – um, I think that there are pros and cons to both, obviously. Um, at, at this point in time, you probably weren't going to get a super established coach, and I would be concerned if you were uh, able to get a super established coach, um, what it would say that, that he would be willing to leave his program this late in the stage. So I thought they would go the offensive coordinator route or, or defensive coordinator route. I thought it might end up being Tony White at Nebraska, who's also an alum. Um, but I like this hire in terms of the energy. You know, it's a guy that loves UCLA, that truly wants to be at UCLA because he'd been there for an extended amount of time. Even after his playing career, he can he can point back to the early 2000s when UCLA was really good and that it did have a buzz in that town, a buzz that it's not really um, probably recreated since that time. And um, I think he'll be a good recruiter. I think he's very relatable. He can not only point to what he did at UCLA, but he can point to what he did in the pros, uh, playing for seven years after being a, a second-round draft pick. So I think for those things, he's got to surround himself with really good coaches. He's got to make really smart hires at the two coordinator positions and probably try to go a little bit older in those positions to help offset some of his inexperience. Um, but I, I see the merits of this hire and think it's got a chance to re-energize uh, UCLA. John, how much of an impact did – recent extensions to this staff have on, you know, trying to keep it together. I mean, the fact that they don't have to pay buyouts for the vast majority of this staff probably has something to do with it too. Yeah, no doubt that this is an economical move and UCLA is not just swimming in money, uh, especially when you see some of their dissatisfaction 
with what McCronin has happening right now in his UCLA <laughs> and uh, you know that's that's the flagship there so um, again Deshaun Foster knows that, that basketball rules the roost but he's seen it uh, be good at UCLA and there's always financial issues at play with these moves um, but you know look they, they lost their tight ends coach he's now the head coach at, at Austin P and Jeff Ferris he was on that staff before he left back in December to take over the Austin P job. So there, there has been some movement. There have been some changes. Um, but you have to think that Martin Jarman making this move and certainly a bit of an unconventional move, but not necessarily an unpopular or a bad move, he has to empower Deshaun Foster to um, have the keys to the program and to hire who he needs to hire. And if, if he feels like he needs to make a change um, at those top positions, then he needs to be empowered to make those changes. John Bryce of footballscoop.com joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Um, Bryce, you talked about Chip Kelly's impending departure, and it seems like it has been for six weeks or so. I mean, it was, was it just, I'm not going back? I mean, was it just that simple or what was, and why? Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that Martin Jarman and, and Chip Kelly at this point in time um, didn't have a, a fractured relationship. They had a shattered, broken relationship. And, um, you know, look, Chip Kelly technically just left a job where he's making about $6.2 million to go be the offensive play caller at Ohio State, where he'll make somewhere around $2 million. Uh, you don't walk away from that sort of discrepancy, especially when he had four or five more years left on that contract unless there's just a lot of misery involved. And, of course, he's already made a boatload of money coaching at Oregon in the NFL and then uh, in this return to the college ranks at UCLA. So money's not an issue. But, again, you don't walk away from that unless you're utterly miserable. Also, we should point back, you talk about this being unfolding really for, for six weeks. It's been unfolding a lot longer than that. He, um, Chip Kelly felt like he was nearly fired at the end of the 22 season. And I believe he would have been let go if they'd lost to Southern Cal at the end of the 2023 season. There was a report that came out that week that uh, Martin Jarman had made plans or was prepared to fire Chip Kelly at the end of the week, late in the regular season for the Bruins. And then Chip Kelly and UCLA rallied and, and won that game and, and took another victory over their crosstown rival. And um, then Martin Jarman just sort of um, didn't address it and didn't say Chip Kelly was utterly fine, but he also didn't say – um, Chip Kelly was on his way out the door. So you just had this limbo situation. That's not healthy for recruiting. That's not healthy for your program. And I think this is a, a chance to move your program forward in a much more healthy manner. So this wasn't a situation where somebody got fatigued with the current state of college football then? I think it's far more fatigue in the relationship between the head man and the head football coach. So um, now look, I don't, I don't want to under understate the importance of um, so many coaches. And, and I know Chip has been outspoken and frustrated about NIL. Um, mm -hmm. You're still going to have NIL issues to deal with it at Ohio state. Although they're um, they seem to have their NIL on track and are, and are going <laughs> gangbusters since the first of the year between the portal and recruiting. Um, but they seem fine. You know, if, if he if he was that fed up with it, he would have gone and taken a position coach job in the NFL if he could get one or he could or he would just retire. He clearly wants to still coach. Um, he's very tight with Ryan Day. He's very tight with Justin Fry. So he has some 
some natural relationships already built as he makes this transition across country and, and, and goes from, from the West Coast Big Ten to the Heartland Big Ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the shifting sands of college athletics never, never fail to disappoint these days. Um, you know, you mentioned him going to Ohio State. He and Ryan Day obviously have, have a history, but John, one, when you bring on a coach with as much head coaching experience as a Chip Kelly, um, speaking of pros and cons, I would imagine there are some to that for Ryan Day as well. But is this a situation where it's Big Ten slash national championship or bust literally for Ryan Day this time around? Well, you better beat Michigan. That's that's first and foremost. Um, there, there are people that would tell you he could go one and eleven, and as long as he beat Michigan, he would be okay. Um, but it's a it's a critical year for Ryan Day, and uh, let's acknowledge that Chip Kelly is replacing Bill O'Brien, so he had already made um, a bit of an unconventional hire in terms of hiring Bill O'Brien, a guy who's been a a coach at a rival institution there in the Big Ten, and a guy who's been a coach and a GM for an extended amount of time in the NFL. I think that's smart for Ryan Day. I think that Ohio State improved leaps and bounds after hiring Jim Knowles away from uh, Oklahoma State a couple of years ago to run the defense. And I think that an older uh, veteran presence like this, especially Chip Kelly, is going to um, help Ryan Day focus more on being the head coach and not sort of drift back to wanting to be the offensive play caller. And we saw him, uh, even though Brian Hartline was supposed to be calling things this past season for Ohio State, we saw Brian Day very early on uh, sort of re retake the reins and again continue to orchestrate the Ohio State offense. And I think this provides a, a very strong alpha presence that will uh, in Chip Kelly that will help Ryan Day trust him and overall help Ryan Day be better prepared to be the head coach. John, <laughs> we are a couple days away. You just said it. We're, we're, we're a few days removed from the traditional signing day that has so little fanfare I forgot it happened and that's unfortunate mm -hmm. but you know, as close as we are is this finally the end are, are you guys going to take a break over at football scoop and, and you know just breathe for a minute coaching hires wise boy um I wish that was the case uh but I don't know that we're quite there yet there's still a lot of trickle down effect from the NFL that still have some um, assistant coaching openings. Um, you know, the, the NFL then can hire an assistant D-line coach in addition to a D-line coach. And what I can't stress enough, and said this on a couple of podcasts maybe last week, um, talked about it with the college official over the weekend, it's never been more evident than what it is right now that more college coaches than ever before, ever before, are doing everything they can to try to get into the NFL. Because college football, especially, College athletics is in disarray, but college football especially is in such disarray right now that so many coaches are looking for any avenue out of the sport, um, even in some cases voluntarily taking multiple $100,000 pay cuts to get started in the NFL um, because of NIL, because of the transfer portal, because roster management isn't a new term. It's almost the ubiquitous term right now when you're assessing a college football program. 
it's 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 in, it's incredible that you say that. We're we obviously have seen it. Mm-hmm. We've been seeing it, but it is it really is the state of college football. And whether you believe it or not, these coaches certainly do. And it, it's it's more evident than ever that you know the I guess how much of the uncertainty surrounding Division One FBS level college football is having that effect because based you know Tennessee Virginia the Delaware basketball or not Delaware the the basketball ruling from Dartmouth Dartmouth all of that is going to come into play here yeah and it, and it comes into play tomorrow I mean the, the Tennessee yep. and Virginia attorneys general in, are in court tomorrow in Greenville and that will be a significant day uh, one way or the other whether it um rules in favor of the plaintiffs or whether it rules in favor of the NCAA, it won't be the end of it, no matter what happens. If we find the ruling out tomorrow and we won't necessarily, there's no obligation for it to be delivered tomorrow. But if we find the ruling out tomorrow, it won't be the end of it, um, especially if it's not a favorable ruling for Tennessee and Virginia. So, yeah, it's um, it's a flashpoint right now in college athletics in general, but the, the tip of the spear is college football. And, um, the biggest moneymaker, the biggest revenue driver, and the biggest ended sport, and it's at the forefront of everything, and it's in a complete uh, speed change right now, and it has been really since the summer of 21, and it has not slowed since that time. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company technology, the best handymen are hands-off. 
Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Wow. We said it was Monday before the show started. It's still Monday. Fortunately, John Bryce is still with us. Not sure what happened there at the end of that last segment, John, but um, we appreciate you sticking with us through it and um, hope to get you on for a full segment without interruption here real soon. But we appreciate you taking some time with us. Yeah, no problem at all. Just wanted to make sure we had wrapped it up there and um... Yeah, we were talking about the, the court case tomorrow, and we won't have a real clear answer. Um, we won't necessarily have a real clear answer tomorrow, but if there is a ruling, uh, then that will be a, another uh, landmark moment in what has been really non, nonstop chaos since 2021. That summer of 2021, they changed the transfer portal. They basically opened up NIL, and then we had the dominoes begin to start falling and realignment as well as the setup for the 12-team playoff being announced. Um, and, and we don't know the sport as remotely the same since then. And none of it looks particularly good for the NCAA either. No, it, it, it absolutely does not. Uh, we're drifting. I think we've talked about it on the show before, whether it's a, a Super 60 or a Fab 50 or whatever, we're drifting closer and closer um, to uh, almost like an executive branch of college football that sort of stands on its own. Yeah, it's gonna it's it's gonna be worth watching. We're obviously gonna be watching it from afar, and hope you know as we've said, it's unfortunate for our alma maters as mid major group of five teams. It doesn't go. bode well for for that doesn't. group. Yeah, it sure doesn't. So. Yep. All Again, right, John. We appreciate it, man. We'll holler Absolutely. at you soon. Absolutely. Thanks, boys. Have a great week. Thank you. You too. The iffy whiffy. Hey, no doubt. Hey, <laughs> we um, haven't had iffy whiffy uh, mentioned in a while, yeah, but yeah, we haven't needed to. But certainly, something with the pull. Something went awry. awry. Yeah. Yes. So, how about some monsters? Let's do some monsters as we typically do. Right about now on Monday, we get into some of our top individual performers from the previous weekend, and so. Chris, who would be one of your top individual performers from the previous weekend? Well, let's start in women's basketball. 
probably the most watched women's basketball game of the regular season to this point on mm. Sunday as Iowa and Nebraska played a heck of a basketball game. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch or not, but holy crap, it was worth every moment spent watching. And you cannot tell the story of this game without telling the story of Jazz Shelley. 23 points for the Nebraska guard out of Australia. So I know that our friend Ian, Ian is probably very happy to hear Jazz Shelley, not only with the go-ahead tray to put her team up by one with about a minute to go, also knocked down all four free throws uh, as Iowa was fouling and trying to, um, trying to get back in the game. Jazz Shelley is my first Monstar. You're saying that Nebraska defeated? Nebraska 82. Iowa 79 behind a 27 to 10 fourth quarter performance. You mean 27 to 10. The fighting Caitlin Clarks lost. They did, yes. It does happen. Well, apparently. Only three times, but it does happen. Despite her nearly going for a triple-double. Wow. 13, I'm sorry, 31, 8, and 10. And she became the sixth player in the history of women's college basketball to have 1,000 career assists. So she's not only going to hold the scoring record by the end of the week this week, she will also be one of six to have 1,000. She will have accounted for more than 5,500 points in her career, which may be the most absurd women's college basketball stat of all time. That's pretty, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... I'm going to stay in women's basketball, but I'm going to do it a little closer to home. Um, Savannah Wheeler averaged 25.5 points, eight and a half assists last week as MTSU went 2-0 and um, with a pair of home, uh, home court victories, including a 73-54 win Saturday over Florida International. Had a double-double in that one, 31 points, 11 assists. So big weekend for Savannah Wheeler finishing up with the Conference USA Player of the Week award for the third time this season. She's pretty good. Courtney Whitson hit a landmark to a thousand, thousand rebounds. rebounds. Yeah, in the in Liberty in the Liberty game, I believe that was. So yeah. yeah. Cannot stand that woman enough. Seriously. <laughs> I mean Friend of the show, but also just... He's just the real deal. She, as Rick Insel stated in the Liberty postgame presser, you know, she could be frustrated. She's only averaging nine points a game, three-time all-conference selection, but she has put the team above herself in every facet of her game, and sometimes to her detriment and to the team's detriment (laughs) at points, he's like... I have to tell her to shoot, shoot the, the basketball. <laughs> but, uh, you know, cannot tell you how much we love Courtney Whitson. And here's here the thing. Street Sports today. You hope that players like that get their reward in the end. And so, and you feel like she will. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Let's go. I, I mean... I don't know if I want to. I don't know if I want to go with uh, with the obvious since we've talked about him all, all show, mm-hmm. or we'll just go with Harrison Butker. 
who very well could have been the MVP. He could have been. <laughs> if he had a game winner last night. Right. Uh, Harrison Budker was, uh, I mean, perfect and had to be. And now holds the Super Bowl record for longest field goal in a Super Bowl. After breaking the record previously held by... Money Moody. The guy who was kicking against him, <laughs> against yeah. him, who that made a fifty-five yarder early. Yeah, his, his yeah. record lasted for <laughs> all of an hour. Yeah, he 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 broke the he broke the record that had been you know you know over fifty-eight fifty-seven Super Bowls, and then an hour later he no longer Ooh. holds the record. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'll give him my monster number two. Okay. My Monstar number two is going to stay in last night's game. <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey walked in and said, I didn't lose. Y'all lost. 22 carries, 80 yards, eight catches for 80 yards and a touchdown. 160 yards from scrimmage on 30 touches. That's solid, mm -hmm. if not spectacular. So... Christian McCaffrey got it done. Unfortunately, his 49ers did not. But he's my second monster. For only the second time since December 19th, the Edmonton Oilers lost a hockey game on Saturday. For only the second time since December, December 19th? 19th? Technically the second time in three games. They were on like a 14-game win streak at Goodness one gracious. But part of the reason that they lost was because of the shutout effort from Nashville Predators legend David Riddick, who saved 26 shots in the win. And I know everyone here in Nashville is going, are you kidding me? David Riddick. Oh, man. Oh, and what's so crazy is I, I was going back through some of our old shows looking for some stuff, and I and for some reason you had you were talking about David Riddick with Teresa really? on the on the broadcast, and I was and then I saw that he had the twenty six of twenty six, and, and and so I thought, man, gotta give him some props. How ironic, wasn't it? Yeah. So my third monster. We mentioned it in the rundown briefly. His first game back from a sprained ankle, Alden Slaughter goes for 46 points and seven boards as Santa Fe defeats Kalioka, host Kalioka, 75-66 in overtime on Friday night. It's not a Mr. Football finalist, but he is my monster. Hopefully it'll count for something. <laughs> um... <clears throat> I would like to, and we probably will mention this in the next hour when we get into the pretty much talking about the Super Bowl for an entire hour. Uh, but an honorable mention to the Sonic Boom of Jackson State last night who were fantastic in their halftime performance. And Matt, <laughs> no, it was Emily, Emily Proud who tweeted that the Super Bowl would be better with marching bands, and then quote tweeted it later and said, 
Usher heard my request. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and honored it well. Ask and ye shall receive. Yeah. Right. So it was. It was. It was a heck of a performance, and, and we'll talk about the halftime show a little bit later. But uh, great job by the Sonic Boom of the South. Never a, never a dull moment. Never disappoints. Never disappoints, and there, there's no doubt there. Um, there was something I was going to mention to you. And I completely forgot what it was. Need, and I hate need, that. You need to mention it quickly. No, I forgot what it was. So oh, well. it is what it is. Okay. What what is it? Um, what's speak now or forever hold your peace? Yep. Yeah. And I'm just gonna have to hold it. All right. Hey, when we come back for the second hour of Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint, we will be joined by Ben Arthur of Fox Sports as we talk a little bit more about Super Bowl 58. Stay with us. We thrive under the lights. A city of performers. Putting on one heck of a show. Headlining night after night. Welcome to Smashville. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at MidTennessee Bone Joint Clinic. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. AP Tennessee Sports Editor, three-time Tennessee Sports Writer of the Year 2020 TSWA Hall of Famer. She covers the Titans, the Predators, the Grizzlies, college football, and hoops. Please make welcome, Teresa Walker. Former University of Tennessee, former Team USA Olympian, XI Young Award winner, R.A. Dickey. R.A., did I miss anything? Man, that was sweet. <laughs> yeah, I need to listen to that before I go to bed every night. That was nice. Has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. Ryan McGee. <laughs> other guy Wham married the best-looking girl Bananarama, so other guy Wham had a pretty good life. From preps to pros, we're taking on the sports topics you care about. Tune in across Main Street Media social platforms forms at 2 p.m. or on demand on your podcast distribution platform of choice. Back to the second hour of the Monday Mirror here at Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. That's Chris Yao. I'm Maurice Patton, and um, we are anxiously awaiting the arrival of Ben Arthur of Fox Sports to talk a little bit more Super Bowl, as if we've not talked enough already. But you were saying off air. Okay, so we know that the the goal or 
or, or one of the things that everyone gripes about every year is that today is not a holiday. <laughs> and I agree. The day after the Super Bowl should be a holiday, but uh, we <laughs> have a holiday next Monday. How do we make this fit? Mm. We just got to push it back one week. Can we put the Daytona 500 yesterday and maybe, mm. I don't how does this work? I don't know how that, well, you can't have a two week layoff, right? I don't think you can have a two week layoff. I don't think you can start the NFL season a week, a later. week later because doesn't it start Labor Day weekend? Right. So I, it seems simple, but the devil is in the details. How do we make this work? Do we move President's Day? <laughs> here's the thing, though. Today's Here, Abraham Lincoln's birthday. Here, here's what you have to be sensitive to is, sounds blasphemous, especially on a sports talk show. Not everybody is a football fan. It is the most watched televised program in the country every single year. And you're right. On not, Sunday. Not everybody is a football fan. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with that. But almost everybody watches is the a Super Bowl, Bowl fan. <laughs> almost everybody. I'm just saying there's got to be a way. It, it might make too much sense to ever Clearly. Yeah. So you get your holiday next Monday. This well, is no good. Y'all get your holiday next Monday. We'll be we'll here. We'll still be here. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, Ben Arthur of Fox Sports joining us here on Main Street Sports today. Ben, what do you think about the day after the Super Bowl being a holiday? Uh, I think Americans would really appreciate that. <laughs> I think it would be a nice, uh, I think it'd be a nice thing to have. I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's an American event, right? Like it's, everyone is, is kind of tuned into it. And, um, I think it makes a lot of sense for it to like, like the next day to, to be a, be a holiday. But, um, but yeah, I, I think, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, personally, it, it doesn't, you know, really matter to me either way, but I think it does just because of how ingrained it is into our culture. Um, I think it makes sense, a lot of sense for that reason for it to be one. Where are you? I'm, um, I'm at my hotel. I, I checked out. Um, I'm, I stayed at the Luxor hotel on the strip in Las Vegas, but my flight back home to Nashville isn't for, another like five hours or so so i'm just kind of i'm just kind of stuck here oh, honestly oh, uh, just stuck. hanging out here stuck in vegas <laughs> just just stuck in this so really did we pull cool. you away from the slots or from the tables or <laughs> or what uh, no i'll be honest guys when you're people say like you can only do vegas for like 48 hours i've been here for eight days so i'm <laughs> i'm i'm all I'm all Vegas stout. Like I'm, I'm honestly ready to go home. It's been a long week. Uh, it's been a good time, right? Like Vegas is a lot of fun, but like to be here so long, like I'm, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm done with it. So I, I, I'm not hitting this. I'm not hitting any more slot machines or doing any of that. I'm, I'm good. If Chris, if you don't cut that quote out,
I don't know yeah. what you're doing in life. I, in fact, let's just make a Yeah, yeah. You, you, we gotta, we gotta have that one again. Ben, what'd you think of the game last night? Yeah, I mean, it started out obviously very slow and and ugly, particularly like with the Chiefs, even more so. Um, but it got really, really good uh, in in almost a bizarre kind of way, right? Like there were a uh, lot, lot of crazy moments. A uh, lot of turnovers. Um, Patrick Mahomes' greatness obviously showed up in the end. Travis Kelsey turned it up in the in the second half. Um, yeah, just just a, a really crazy game. A game I feel like the the Forty ers kind of threw away. Right? Uh, they I feel like they kind of had the, their lead was never that big early but um it certainly felt like they were in control but they were never able to truly seize control of the game i think the chiefs defense deserves a lot of credit for that uh with the stops they had the, the timely stops but um but yeah it was a phenomenal game obviously went to overtime for just the second time in super bowl history uh to to be like in that environment to, to be in allegiance stadium it was a really cool atmosphere to, to take in um but yeah i i, I love the game I, I mean the way like i said it started slow but i think it got really good and it got to a point to where we didn't really know which way it was gonna go but um but yeah i, I thought it was fun you mentioned the turnovers we talked about the turnovers earlier in the show it felt like there were more of them than you typically see in a super bowl i don't know if there were more or if they were more pivotal slash critical when they occurred it felt like yeah uh i mean i, I don't know historically like the, the number of turnovers there there were like how it ranks the previous super bowls i, I believe if i'm i believe there, there were four turnovers and, and some of the people turning the ball over like christian mccaffrey you know all world running back turning the ball over uh like just outside the red zone patrick mahomes throwing an interception that first possession in the third quarter when the Chiefs really needed to start uh, to turn it around. And then Isaiah Pacheco right after that big reception from uh, from Hardman, uh, very next play, like in Gould to go territory, turns the ball over. So I think like some of the most prominent players for these teams turning the ball over, um, it, it just kind of went back to the fact like how it was such a sloppy game in a way like it was very it was close but it but it was kind of a sloppy close uh in, in many ways but um but yeah i, I don't know how like the, the amount of turnovers how it ranks to previous super bowls mm -hmm. but um but yeah it, it definitely felt like a lot and, and there were even there were even more like lost there were a, a couple more lost like fumbles but that that didn't actually result uh in turnovers uh too so like the ball security wasn't really great the entire night, uh, which I guess just kind of added to the drama of it, which kind of made it fun in a way too. Uh, but, but yeah. Yeah, it, the game kind of kept you on high alert more Absolutely. so than usual, I guess, with, with the turnovers. But it was um, definitely a slow start. And Mahomes was... He wasn't vintage Mahomes for four quarters plus overtime for sure. It, it felt like he was a little off into the third quarter even before you finally got 
the Patrick Mahomes that we've been used to seeing here over the last while? Yeah, I, I think it was kind of a micro and, and Mahomes said this kind of like in the in the press conference after the game too. Like it, it that game almost felt like a microcosm of their season. Like these Chiefs, these 20, 20, 23 Super Bowl winning Chiefs, like this is a different iteration than what the Chiefs have been in previous years when they're just this offensive juggernaut and it looked really good offensively and they're super explosive and, and dynamic and super creative. But these Chiefs, it was a, it was a slog offensively for, for a good portion of the year and, and Mahomes uh, was involved in that too. It was the worst statistical year of his career uh, as a starter, like he didn't look great at times. And, and so uh, that game on Sunday against San Francisco was kind of like the same deal almost, right? Like looked like a slog. They weren't doing anything offensively, just three points in the first half. Like I said, he had that interception, didn't have a lot going on. I think the intercept, the, the pressure that Mahomes was facing too played a role too. Um, like Chase Young and Nick Bosa um, ha had some had some good moments in the game too, um, and, and so yeah, it just kind of made for like Mahomes not looking like his best self. But as we've seen him do so many times, like in crunch time when it matters most, uh, like he delivered like at, at the very end. Um, and, and so even if the way to get there, like the way to get there this this past season looked different than it did in previous years but like the, that clutch gene has always been the consistent part of it all um and, and so like he still has that and, and even though it looked kind of like a slog uh throughout most of the game he was able to turn it on as as we've seen him do so many times at this point and ben is it more satisfying when you have a season and you have a game that reflects the season like this, where you've just had to be gritty and gutted out all year and just get into the playoffs and then get through, you know, Buffalo and Baltimore, both on the road and, and win an ugly game like that. Uh, because there have been other seasons where Kansas City's kind of gone from post to wire, it felt like they, this was a struggle. Yeah, it, it, it was Mo and, and Mahomes, like he talked about that too. Like he had been asked, like, does this one mean more because of what you guys looked like? And he said, yeah, like he, he didn't exactly want to rank like how each of the Super Bowls meant to him. But he said it's definitely up there just because, as you said, what it took for them to even get to this point, him having the worst year of his career, all the drops from the wide receivers this season the offensive line penalties, uh, the frustrations we've seen, like the boil, like the the sideline frustrations, whether it's Mahomes himself or Kelsey, even during the game, right, where he kind of bumps uh, Andy Reid. Um, it, it didn't look pretty this year. And and because of that, the Chiefs, uh, that, that's definitely the sense I got from them after the game. Like uh, it, it definitely meant more uh, to them this year and, and, and I think if anything, it just showed how like they were able to evolve, right? Like it, these Chiefs weren't pretty, that, that they could still do it ugly too. And, and I think that's kind of a sign of like their greatness in, in the dynasty that it is now is like they've been able to evolve and, and still kind of maintain that dominance. Uh, this was this year, this entire season, not just that game, 
yesterday, but the entire season uh, was representative of that. Ben, I want to shift gears to a little less on-field stuff. Just the atmosphere of Vegas, and I've said on this show, or I have, I've not said, I've asked on this show, is the Vegas experience hmm. you know, experiment failing for the NFL? In in terms of just this Super Bowl, what was the Vegas experience? for the National Football League and its biggest stage? Yeah, I think overall it, it was positive. Like for me, like I don't really have a frame of reference because this was my first Super Bowl. So mm -hmm. I can't compare it to like what it was like in other cities in previous years at different times. But but from everything I experienced, like I, I thought it was I, I thought it was well done. Like I think of like opening night and, and the vibes that were there at Allegiant Stadium and uh, like just the fan experience. Um, I thought it was incredible. I, I will say it did it did feel like a San Francisco 49ers dominated event and, and really for a large portion of the week. And I know San Francisco is close to Vegas. And so that certainly I, I bet played uh, a role in, in that. But. But, but I think overall, I, I thought it was a good experience. I mean, I, I know some other media members have said it. And, and again, like some of these other folks have been to other Super Bowls. They've said like it doesn't maybe stack up to other Super Bowl experiences for them. Um, again, I don't, I don't kind of have that frame of reference. But from my vantage point and from being here for eight days, as I said, um, I, I think the city did a, a really good job of kind of embracing it and uh, and, and we've seen like football and, and NFL football in particular really grow in this city uh, and, and what they've done with Allegiant Stadium. It's a gorgeous stadium. It's probably a top three stadium I've been to and, and I've been to like a, a lot of stadiums at this point. Um, but I, I'd so say overall, yeah, it was, it was a really positive experience. I, I wouldn't say there was anything that really stood out to me in terms of being a bad a bad, a bad, like a bad part of it all. I, I thought all in all, it, it was an impressive experience from start to finish. Yeah, I mean, in this situation, in, you know, obviously with all of the people who are coming into town, there's, there's a lot going on and a lot of ways to stay out of trouble, but also a lot of ways to get into it. And the fact that we didn't have a major story, you know, of someone getting too excited or too drunk or whatever and doing something crazy is pretty impressive. So I, you know, hats off to, to everyone who came to town and conducted their business correctly without, you know, with, with all intents and purposes, protecting the shield. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we thought it was interesting that both teams stayed a pretty good distance away from the strip. <laughs> I, I think both team hotels, I think the number was 25 miles. One of them, the however, did have its fire alarm pulled. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> little little hijinks for the, for the 49ers apparently. But um, Ben Arthur of Fox Sports joining us here on Main Street Sports today. Um, 
Obviously, Kansas City's won back-to-back first time in 20 years. I mean, does this just, you mentioned them as a dynasty. Uh, and does this cement that for them at this point? Yeah, it's it's got to. I mean, they've won they've they've won three Super Bowls in, in five years now. There are only three other franchises in the history of the league that have done that. Uh, the Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Patriots, who who did it twice in the Belichick Tom Brady era, um, and. Yeah, and this is a team that that just seems poised to to kind of continue that run of success, right? Like, I mean, this was Mahomes's what his sixth year as a starter. They went to at least the AFC Championship in every single year. Uh, this was their fourth Super Bowl appearance in five years. They've won back to back. They've won three of the five, like I said. And this this is a team that seems like it's built to kind of continue that success i mean this is the worst if if this this was the worst offense that patrick mahomes has had around him and and they were still able to do it uh and this is the best defense he's had and the thing about the defense too is that it was the youngest defense in the nfl this season by by um by like average age and like their starters like 20 like age uh, age of 25 and they were like number two in points allowed. They were number two in, in total defense. Like this is a defense that's only going to continue to get better. Obviously, they have to re-sign Chris Chris Jones and cornerback Legereus Need, which could could be difficult. And and the the, the Chiefs are going to have to work through that. But this is a uh, a Chiefs defense that's poised to continue to ascend to to continue to lead this team. And if the Chiefs can work to kind of build up build back up this offense around Pat, uh, around Pat Mahomes, like the wide receivers, uh, getting some more depth there. And, and Rasheed Rice, I think, is only going to continue to take off. I, I think he could be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in due time, get some more talent around him. I think Travis Kelsey still has a few, you know, great years ahead of him. I mean, I, I don't see this, this train slowing for them. Um, so, like, like, just to be honest, I mean, the way they're built, the way the defense is, Patrick Mahomes is in his prime. He's only 28, right? Like, he's only 28. Uh, so, I don't, I don't really see how this, how this thing ends. I mean, obviously, each year is brings different challenges, and and you know, you have to be fortunate in terms of the injuries and and, and kind of how that rolls for you. But uh, just with the way this is shaping for them. I think this could kind of keep continuing for for years. That that's a scary thought for a number of teams. I was, you kind of stole my thunder there. I was going to ask you, you you've got to get better at receiver specifically, do you not? Absolutely, absolutely. Like it was it was really really rough for them at times. I mean, and, and Rasheed Rice obviously started to take off, uh, like the second half of the year. But um, but but apart from him, I mean, it, it was it was really kind of kind of the it was like a lot of drops. Like I said, they led the NFL in drops that wide receiver room. I believe they had more drops than any other wide receiver room in uh, in 11 years. Like the 2012 Jaguars were the last team to have as many drops. Hmm. Um, as that wide receiver group for the, the 2012 Chiefs. Jaguars, by the way, did not win the Super Bowl. 
<laughs> exactly. So exactly. So uh, so yeah, they got to continue to fortify that. And uh, like they've had a lot of misses at wide receiver, right? Like a lot of people will say, like, well, they they kind of ignored wide receiver after trading Tyreek Hill, and that's not really true. It's just that they didn't maybe do it correctly. Like like they tried to go more for maybe quantity as opposed to quality and and sky more you know former second round pick he didn't work out Kadarius tony who was supposed to take that next step you remember when everyone was saying he was going to be the number one guy for the chiefs coming out of the super bowl last year he totally like he, he disappeared uh uh yeah they just need to fortify that room um so so that that kind of remains to be seen how they do it but uh but that, that has got to improve. That's like the number one thing that has to improve for the Chiefs uh, to, con- to, to continue building off of what they did this year. And, and it's tough when you say that, you know, they didn't necessarily miss. Some guys just didn't pan out necessarily at receiver. But when you look at where they've drafted, where they're going to draft, it's, it's, not like the, it's, it's not like there's any obvious this is who they should go get type of guys at that position and it like you said it's just tough to really address that issue and they've got 51 million in cap space next year (laughs) they're not even close to the cap i mean they they can do whatever you said the defense is the youngest in the league that probably that helps the cap space obviously but for now now eventually that yeah those chickens are going to come home to roost because you're going to have to re-sign a bunch of folks but at the now. same time, but yeah, not now, I guess. <laughs> and so, so if you're going for three in a row, you can kind you can kind of load up and just put all your eggs in that basket. In that receiver want. basket, yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Golly, don't even don't even get me. I'm just I'm just mad now. <laughs> ben Arthur of Fox Sports joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint from the Luxor on the Strip in Vegas. Always. He's Vegas out, y'all. He's ready to come home. I, eight days? I don't know that I blame you. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know how you pack for eight days, first of all. But, um, you pack for four. And, and find a laundromat? <laughs> yeah, well. Hey, Ben, we appreciate you taking some time. Be safe coming back, and we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. All right. When we come back here on Main Street Sports today, hold, hold, hold up. Real quick. I didn't, I didn't, September, or sorry, February 4th, a, February 4th. A, an article was posted on SI.com. So I'm not <laughs> okay. going to say who wrote it because I don't know if they're real. <laughs> Apparently, and I don't know how we missed this, Lamar London and Joe Towns, both of Memphis, introduced Bills to replace Columbus Day with Super Bowl Monday as a Tennessee State holiday. That's London. That's London Lamar. Did I, did I say Lamar London? Uh, yeah. Anyway. You knew what I meant. Flip that thing in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> Super Super Bowl Monday. Huh? They, it clearly did not pass or hasn't passed yet, but it very well could pass this legislative session in next year. Okay. So oh. here's my question. <laughs> Why are Tennessee State legislators concerning themselves hey. with this? Because look, it's what the people want. This is a representative republic, Mo, and what the people want, the people get. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. Okay. Listen, man, I, a lot of folks will tell you that 
that, that Arkansas or Mississippi should annex Memphis. If they get this done, we keep in Memphis. We're keeping Memphis, by God. <laughs> As I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint, continues after this break. Stay with us. <laughs> Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho-quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. All Super Bowl all the time, mm -hmm. at least in this hour here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Um, I mean, as you said, it's the most watched televised event every year. So we're gonna continue to talk about it. So there. What do they say in our, in our, in our business? You write about, was it WAPTA? What are people talking about? 
Well, this is what they're talking about, so this is what we're talking about. Every single person at the water cooler this morning. Let's start with on the field issues. On the field things that happened, not issues. Yeah, well, I don't know. This Some first one, this, this first one is probably an issue because we are 90 minutes into the show and we've only made passing mention of it in the last segment. I'll tell you, my Facebook is blowing up regarding the Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid dust up. And, you know, I'm, I've never been an athlete. I've been involved in some athletic events, I guess. But I know that there is a lot of emotion and sometimes it is not properly channeled. And fortunately, when I've not properly channeled mine, I've at least gotten a little grace out of it. I don't know that a person's conduct in a highly stressful situation such as the Super Bowl is what somebody necessarily deserves to be judged off of as to how they conduct themselves in their everyday life. Particularly after the event that took place. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, Travis Kelsey wasn't on the field for the play where Isaiah Pacheco, Isaiah Pacheco fumbled. And I guess he, judging by his reaction, he must have gotten pulled out of the game for that play. It, it, it does appear. And was not happy about the... Now, I don't know, had he been on the field, if there would have been a different play called or... or if the play call was what forced him off the field, I don't know. But clearly, he was upset. Clearly, Andy Reid is willing to let it go. <laughs> Andy Reid was so cool, calm, and collected during the whole thing. It's just like, it, it's almost as if it wasn't something he had not dealt with before. You, re you remember the scene from Remember the Titans when um, Denzel Washington's character is in the official's ear on the sideline? Mm -hmm. He's lining up off sides. And that guy's just stone-faced looking at the, the whole top. No. That was kind of Andy Reid and Travis he, he, he just He had zero it's like, care. Okay. It's, is he here? Okay, uh, get on. You know? It's like, just... Okay. We got a game to play, bro. And I, I do think that the play call is what forced him off the field. I think that's why Kelsey was upset. I don't know if he you – know, Jim Nance and Tony Romo kind of, uh, I guess, speculated that he was upset because don't leave it up to a backup to block in that situation because, again, that's what happened. The backup tied in, missed the block, and Chico got – tackled and fumbled <laughs> and so like that's a problem <laughs> you know don't leave it up to him in that situation or or whatever or if he said you know if you'd have just given me the ball i would have scored that or, could or, have been, could or, have been, or at least we still have the ball could yeah. have been any, any number of things, things and we don't know and but, we're not gonna know but my thing is and a lot of people have said you know if it had been x it wouldn't have gone over that way like aj brown 
among others. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I've said it before on this show, and it was a minor league manager who at one time was the all-time leader in Nashville Sounds victories, Trent Jewett, who said to me once, you don't coach everybody the same, you coach everybody the way they deserve to be coached. And I think that there's some degree of that in this situation. And if AJ Brown, and I didn't, I didn't want to call anybody out individually, but you did, and he has said this on social media platforms, if it had been me, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you've not built up the goodwill in that situation that maybe Travis Kelsey has. Maybe Andy Reid didn't care. I don't know. It's, I think every situation is different and unique. And I think it's a little speculative at best to say, well, if that had been me, well, maybe there's a reason for that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, to me, it it was, it's a bad look. I don't think there's it's any not, it's, it's not a good look, and I don't think anybody can argue that it was. I'm not arguing that it was a good look. Right. I, I, it but, was awful. Look, I, I'm, I'm a person who has removed my jersey during a sporting event and thrown it at the coach and sat in the stands. Okay, so please understand that I, I, I can tell you firsthand that sometimes you overreact in the heat of a of the of the battle, and that wasn't the Super Bowl. Heck, that wasn't even a, a county or area championship. I mean, it was just a game. But you know, but competitors are competitors, and the level of of attitude that you have to have to be successful at the level Travis Kelsey is successful at in the NFL, you're going to get that sometimes. And, yeah, they, they clearly have a really good relationship. I mean, based off everything we heard post-game, you gotta, you, you, you got you to tip your hat. And, look, this may be a situation that Andy Reid handles privately with Travis Kelsey. If you ever do this again, you I promise ever, you I will pop you in the mouth. <laughs> right there in front of God and everybody, just like you shoved me in front of God and everybody. I, you I get will, one. You know, I will pull your pants down the middle of this grocery store and whip your behind kind of thing oh, yeah. if I have to. But credit to both of them for handling it, how they've handled it, and for any future handling of the situation being out of the public's eye, it appears that I, I feel like, you know, I feel like it's been handled and you can't, you can't judge someone off of their worst moment. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, as, as I posted on my Facebook, I mean, I've been thrown out of multiple, <laughs> as in more than one. <laughs> exactly. Summer league baseball games where there was nothing on the line. You know, right. And, and it's not anything that I'm necessarily proud of, but, but I'm not ashamed of it either. You just I have mean, to understand that the situation's I, a situation. Yeah. So, but I, I don't think that makes me a deranged lunatic. No. 
and I don't think this makes and, and Travis Kelsey yeah. a bad person. So that's just or, me. Or, or that Taylor Swift should run because of, I mean, come on, right. let's calm down. No. Anyway. Anyway, continue. Because you had other thoughts. How, 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 well, yeah, let's, let's move on, I guess. How do we feel about Brock Purdy? I think Brock Purdy is a good quarterback. I think that um, he's, I think he's a good quarterback for San Francisco because they have so much around him. He's a young quarterback. He's got some growing up to do. He's going to do it. He's going to be a problem. I would agree with that. I mean, I agree. I think Brock Purdy is one of the 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and anyone who thinks differently to me is I'm not quite sure what they're hating, looking at. Yeah, is looking at his draft status. Is looking at what I mean. The guy completed 60 percent of his passes for 255 yards. Didn't turn the ball over. And had a go-ahead touchdown in the last, in the fourth quarter. And I'm not sure what more necessarily he could have done last night. I mean, if you watched that football game and didn't realize that Brock Purdy was under almost constant pressure, well, no, nah, I don't know about that because there was a lot of holding going on up front by the 49ers that they couldn't get to him, that the Chiefs couldn't get to him. I, well, I think he was under more pressure in the second half. That's what I'm saying. I think the idea – well, I mean, obviously, if you look at the, the statistics of the, the two halves, the adjustments made by Kansas City on you know, Spags when he, when he blitzed, mm -hmm. how he blitzed, disguising the blitz, he just did a really good job of, of confusing the young offensive line for San, for San Francisco, and that's why – you know, he struggled a little bit more in the second half. That being said, you know, in the fourth quarter, when he could have folded, he threw a touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings. Mm -hmm. And I know that Christian McCaffrey had 30 catches or 30 touches, but that doesn't take away from the fact that Brock Purdy was effective in doing what he was supposed to do. Sure. I think Brock Purdy's one of the 15. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know what that means, there are 15 people in the entire world who can play the, the quarterback position in the National Football League at a high level, which, as you know, there are more than 15 teams <laughs> in the National Football League. <laughs> so, so draw your own conclusions. Go from there with what you will. Yeah. But, uh, I mean... To me, Brock Purdy is, is a capable and effective quarterback, particularly in the Shanahan system, for San Francisco. Let's talk about the Shanahan system for just a second. Let's talk about Shanahan, comma, Kyle, for just a second. Speaking of comma, Mike, did you see him consoling Juwan after the game? Having a conversation with him? My post game, Angel? I did not. It was pretty cool. Huh. Pretty it cool is moment. pretty cool. Um, as we've mentioned in passing, there have now been two overtime games in Super Bowl history. 
The first one was a 34-28 New England Patriot victory over the Atlanta Falcons, 34-28, as in the Patriots scored 31 unanswered points to end the game after falling behind 28 to three. Some, most of you know this, some of you may not, but the Falcons offensive coordinator in that game? No, sorry, Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Shanahan comma Kyle. Shanahan comma Kyle. <laughs> not to be confused with Shanahan comma Mike, because I feel like Mike Shanahan would have run the ball had he been the Falcons offensive coordinator. Probably. And I'm not sure if that's a loss that Kyle Shan that the football gods are going to allow Kyle Shanahan to come back from. Clearly, because he's 0-3 in the games. 0-3 in the Super Bowl. Draw your own conclusions. Yeah, I, you know, I think, I, I think, okay. Third and four. Things I think I think as. Um, Third and four. Two minutes to go. Kansas City has two timeouts. Mm -hmm. Do you run the ball there? I think you force got them to. to call, force them to call a timeout? I think you've got to. I mean, you know you're going to kick the field goal if you, if you don't convert, right? I think you got to run the ball there. I thought about that at the time it was taking place. And when they, when they throw and they throw incomplete, they stop the clock. They got to kick the field goal and they leave time on the clock for arguably the baddest man in the NFL. <clears throat> Speaking of great football movies, <clears throat> run the dang ball, Bert. <laughs> if only Sandra Bullock could have given Kyle Shanahan a call. <laughs> anyway. I don't think I don't think Kyle Shanahan has his cell phone in his pocket during ball games. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody yeah. could have got the message to him. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Mm. But yeah. I, run the ball. Run the football. Well, I mean Run the football. Again. If, if you'd have done it. Against the Patriots. This is my point. Mm. Run the football. Clearly, clearly that's not a, that's a foreign concept for him. Run the football. Anyway. Yep. Well, he needs one of those Vrabel hats. Run the damn Run ball. Run the damn ball. <laughs> yep. Um, after last night, Patrick Mahomes. Mm. Top blank quarterback of all time. Of all time? All oh, time. goodness. Well, here's a... Here's the fallacy of that. Dan Marino is top X of all time, but he didn't win a Super Bowl. I, I think we fall victim to the, if you don't win a Super Bowl, if you don't win a championship, you are not as great. Football's a team sport. And sometimes we forget that. Yeah, and sometimes, your teams don't allow you access to that stage. Correct. Yeah. I don't disagree. Where, were you, where do you put Marino? Think about the era he played in and, and what, what he, he did. did. I think top 10. I think he's top five. I think uh, he's I'm, probably closer to five than he is one. Mm -hmm. But I mean, clearly Brady. 
I don't, I don't know that I can rank them. Mahomes is solid, uh, top 10 ever. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Ever, ever. When I start ranking all times, I forget people mm -hmm. and I kind of fly in the face of some folks. I'm, Terry Bradshaw would not be in my top 10. He'd be in mine, but he'd be closer to 10 than one. No, definitely closer to 10 than one, but probably closer to 12 than 10. See, I think I think what Bradshaw did was pretty impressive. Now, I know the steel curtain and all, but I mean, I think the he biggest, had some really good Super Bowls. Well, he had some really good receivers, and he a did. lot of them made really acrobatic catches that he got credit for. I mean, fine, and I've said this uh, before. That's fine. That's called knowing your playmakers and giving them a chance. Find me a highlight of Lynn Swan or John Stallworth where they weren't jumping or diving or leaping or stretched out or something. Well, now you're getting into the Andrew Jones Hall of Fame issue. Find me some Andrew Jones highlights where he's not diving or catching, and, and, and King Griffey Jr.'s highlights are going to be twice as long as Andrew Jones because, well... He didn't have to do it as much. Yeah. I, I, look, I, I'm just saying, I think Patrick Mahomes is probably a top three quarterback. With Brady and who? Probably Montana, although Montana benefited a lot from having some great receivers himself. But I think... But I think doing I think it on Mahomes, the biggest stage... I think doing you, it on the biggest stage is a big thing. I think Brady did a lot with lesser receivers sure and I, I think Mahomes had nobody especially last night I mean yeah. Kelsey well, is Kelsey. his best receiver and he's a tight end and he's yeah yeah that's why I think I got to put him in the top three and then it's Manning it just I just get I get real intimidated by all time sure all, all time is tough I mean <laughs> you're talking about you know guys like Ken Stabler who were just Unreal. Stallback. Mm, I think Stallback. The, 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 the 70s had great, great quarterbacks. And they weren't putting up the numbers. But it's a different game. Mm -hmm. Different game then than it is now. Uh, what Marino did during his time, you know, it, it is, I mean, obviously it's been matched, but it's a different ball game. Mm -hmm. It's a different mindset now. And, but, again, I think what Mahomes did last night, on the biggest stage with the supporting cast that he had. He threw touchdown passes to Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Nicole Hardman. I saw a stat, a, a post, that Nicole Hardman is the, only the second person to play for the Jets and catch a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl in the same year. In the same year? Yeah. He was with the Jets earlier this year? He started the season with the Jets. I didn't realize that. So Who's the other one? Uh, um, whoever whoever the, caught the touchdown yeah. pass for the Jets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don Maynard? Like, uh, probably. I don't remember. But just, <laughs> I thought that was wild. Uh, anyway, before <laughs> we get off the field, overtime, take the ball or no? Did Okay, first of all, the 49ers apparently didn't know the rules. There are reports out there that they say we didn't understand the rules. 
Yushek said he didn't know the rules until they put them up on the screen. <coughs> and I'm thinking, I don't think I'd have told that. Kyle Shanahan's a problem for a lot of reasons, and this is one of them. Mahomes said, we've been practicing for two weeks. You know, if it goes to overtime, we're we going to know. And they said, we would have deferred our option. Now, I'm of the opinion that taking the ball is the smart play. I think at any level of football, a lot of people feel like they want the ball second because they know what they have to do. Sure. But if you but if you I tied, think I want the ball first because I want to put the pressure on you. Well, and if we're still tied, it's sudden death. And now you've got the ball? <laughs> yeah. I no, don't. thank you. The, the 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 decision to take the football wasn't a bad decision. It obviously ended up being, but hindsight's 50-50. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that was the poor decision. I think the poor decision was kicking the field goal. I think you go for it, because if you score, you score. If you don't, they've still got to go. They've got the ball on the six-yard line, and when it is fourth and one at the 30, they're not going for that. They're punting. And now you've got the ball with sudden death. And you can kick a field goal to win the game. That's where I think the bad decision was, mm -hmm. was not going not for the touchdown. Not on the point flip. But yeah. I, I, but I understand both perspectives. I understand because, again, you're giving me an extra down. Mm -hmm. you, give, you give me the, – there's no decision-making in the fourth down if I'm outside the field goal range. I'm going for it. So now I don't have to get three yards. I only have to get two and a half. And all the things that go with that. All right. So I get it. But anyway, I thought, I thought it was a fine decision to take the football. I think they should have went for it on fourth down. Anyway. Fair enough. We need to take a break. Let's take a quick one. Huh? Yeah. Let's, let's take a quick break, Mark. And one minute, please. Come back for the final segment of Main Street Sports today here, this Monday Mirror Brought to you by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We'll be back in just a second. 60 of them. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, I'd no. like apologies in advance. It sounds like SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. You got that radio voice. I know. It's a good sound. I think it's radio, too. <laughs> As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. so And we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, Coach. Yeah, that's it. So Perfect. when you are on Main Street and you are moving. You got to love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad someone. 
Final segment of the Monday Mirror here on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Maurice Patton. That is Chris Yao as we continue breaking down the Super Bowl. Um, more off-field thoughts maybe here in this final segment than on, but thoughts from Vegas nonetheless. There you go. What are your thoughts? What did Vegas? you think of the score bug? You know, I saw that on the run of show, and I honestly do not remember it. I mean, it didn't have it didn't have down and distance, which I know they show that on the field. I think, but now that you remember, now that now that you mention it, I do remember looking for <laughs> down and distance on a couple of occasions, and it not being on the screen. It was it was very weird. Yeah, um, that was that was a little irritating too, to be honest. It, it was very, very uh, unfortunate. Yeah. And two, I, I thought I thought it was a little high on the screen. Well, anytime you've got something underneath it, well, I mean, it there's kind usually of obscures, a little bit, but not, but not much. Not that much. Yeah. And the font, <laughs> one one, there's too much space between but the team and the score. The team and the score, and the font looks like something that you would see on, you know, public access television on Saturday morning high school games. <laughs> it was just it's it, it's the worst the worst score bug I think I've ever seen. I think somebody did it in Google Doc. <laughs> I think somebody did it at like five fifteen for five thirty kickoff. Yeah, they were they they're putting it together. So anyway, hey, where's weird. where's the score bug? Oh oh crap. <laughs> exactly. Here, I'll put something together real quick. So Hang anyway, on. I just thought it was a bad score bug. So, <laughs> halftime show. Where does it rank for you? I know it's at least. Uh, no, it's, I know it's at least number two. It's at least number two. <laughs> and I would agree. I, I still think. I think Prince is the gold standard. I think 07 was probably the best halftime show can, that I've can, ever seen. Can you make it rain harder? And. <laughs> And it might be number three, but that's only because I was 17 years old when Can I Have You Naked by the end of this song happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I kind of thought about that when Usher took his shirt off. It's like, <laughs> like this is not the first time we've seen this. Yeah. Oh, so, so this is okay. <laughs> but I, I will say, Jermaine Dupree, Ludacris, I mean, Alicia Keys, mm -hmm. Lil Jon, he brought the All Stars. Snoop did too a couple years. What well, last Snoop year? Snoop and Drake. Yeah. But to me, a Southern rap fan, it didn't get much better than that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I thought all the musical performances were great. ATL in the house. Yeah. Exactly. I, I thought pregame, halftime. I thought everything was fantastic. I was disappointed in Reba. Yeah, because she went over. <laughs> well, she didn't just go over. Yeah, she blew it. She went way well, over. She tagged it, though, with, and the home of the brave, and then said, mm -hmm. and the home of the brave again. Uh, I was like, yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. I was fired she up. She was just locking up that over she for was. you. That's she all was. That was. I, I called yeah. her. I called I saw a, a kid on TikTok who his mom, his mom was in the kitchen and said, my daughter didn't know who Reba was, and my son described her as Dolly Parton's edgy little sister. And I'm like, that's actually... You know what? 
You know what? <laughs> okay. I, I kind of agree with that. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, she's a single mom who works too hard, and loves her kids, and never stops. <laughs> with gentle hands in the heart of a father. <laughs> I'm a survivor. But I, I thought that was an interesting way. But yeah, I thought I thought all the music was great. So two Friday nights ago, I came home from a basketball game, sat down, started doing some writing, turned the TV on, and there was a Reba Marathon on CMT, and I watched like four. It's hard not to. Yeah. She's got something else coming out. That's what they say. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Absolutely. I'm here for it. Love some Reba. Oh, commercials. <laughs> any, any, any thoughts on commercials? Because I have two, two were, that were my favorite. The Pluto TV commercial, the couch potatoes. Okay, that was good. That was good. Not, it wasn't one of my two, but that's okay. a, that was a good one. Go ahead. Popeyes with the, the fried the, the Fri chicken where he like from the future or mm. whatever. That Who was, was that? Uh, I cannot remember. I can't remember now either. Uh, Finally Wings. Yeah. Which I'm kind of excited about. <laughs> uh, I don't remember who uh, who it was. Ken Jong. Yes. Yes. And Dunkin' Donuts, or Dunkin' Dunkin' with mm -hmm. with Ben Affleck and Mark Wahlberg. I recognize Wahlberg. I didn't and recognize everybody that was in that, but yeah. Well, who's who's oh, crap? What? Who's his friend? Affleck's. He's always in the same movies. Goodwill Hunting. Anyway, he says, "How do you how do you like them donuts?" And instead of "How do you like them apples from Goodwill Hunting?" And I, I lost it because that is my favorite line of any movie ever. Hey, do you like apples? Well, I got her number. How do you like them apples? It's one of my favorite lines of any movie in the history of time. But. Those are my two. Those are my two favorites. I don't remember what the ad was that Carl Weathers was in, but mm. that was really cool. That was the FanDuel yeah, make or miss, and I don't. I mean, clearly they had shot that prior. <laughs> yeah, and so I, when I saw it, I was like, "How did you watch it live?" Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so that one was kind of weird. Yeah, just uh, a little bit. What did you think about Like a Good Neighbor? That was funny. And Danny DeVito? That was yeah. great. <laughs> anyway, I thought that I thought those were good. Um, there was a Volkswagen commercial that was kind of cool because it, it went back to the start. And Matt Damon, that's it. There we go. Yeah, I never would have come up with that. Sorry. Um, yeah, the Volkswagen commercial was good. Although I did think it was weird that they went back to like before 18, whatever it was, like 60, mm -hmm. like the end of the commercial was before the beginning of it. It was very weird. I didn't understand. Yeah, it was weird, but it was, it was cool seeing the old Volkswagens. So, um, <sighs> it was fun. It was. The ball game was fun. As I was saying to somebody as I was coming in, I'm just glad it was a good game. So. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right. Um, that's going to do it for this Monday Mirror edition of Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Be sure and join us back here. Well, join me back here in the Lee Company studio tomorrow, along with Wade Neely. We'll get you through Tuesday. Talk to you then.